Luke chapter 19 is where we're at, and we're going to be talking about the parable of the ten, I keep saying minas, but I think it might be minas. Is that right? It's a Greek word. The Greek word looks just like it, actually, the, the parable of the minas, and it's actually where we get the word money. That's eventually that word is where we got the word money. I found out something this week in my preparation. Actually, I, I saw it last week, and I was really trying to work through what does this mean. I got into it this week. There's another parable, and the parable is in Matthew chapter 15, where Matthew gives this parable. Actually, I think it's 25. Matthew chapter 25 gives the parable of the talents. A lot of people have heard of that. Who's heard of the parable of the talents? Okay? I always operated like this was just the same parable as that parable. This is just Luke's version of it. So I thought there might be a few differences. There was actually one really big glaring difference. And then once I saw that difference, I saw a whole bunch of differences. And I thought, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing. Okay, Lord, what does that mean? And so we're going to talk about that as we go through here. But let's just go to it right now. Luke chapter 19, verse 11. And uh, we're right here as Jesus is leaving Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And verse 11 says this, as they heard these things, the things that he was just saying about Zacchaeus and all the things that happened in Jericho, as they heard these things, he proceeded then to tell a parable, one, because he was near to Jerusalem, and two, because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear. So the two reasons why he's telling this parable are given to us by Luke. Number one, he's near Jerusalem. In fact, I, instead of just getting a, a different kind of map, I actually went to Google Maps and got the satellite footage of, uh, well, how far, and then I typed in directions, and you know how you can choose walking. I said, well, how far is it to get from Jericho to Jerusalem? And it was uh, seven hours and 50, 56 minutes of walking, right? And that's, uh, so that's from Google Maps. So is he close to Jerusalem? That's, that's pretty close, I think. Yeah, seven hour walking. Now, I'm not talking about a seven hour drive. I'm talking about a seven hour walk. Right? So this is one day's walk away. Right? For them, where they're walking everywhere, this is not far. He's close now. And you can feel it. I feel it in Luke. It's like looming over everything we're talking about. Jerusalem is coming. And here's the thing. The people, and let me go back to the verse. The people, especially the disciples, are expecting something. Their anticipation is growing. And they're looking forward. They're like, it's going to, in fact, it tells us exactly what they want, thought. Kingdom of God is going to appear right now. What are they thinking about that? They're thinking, he's going to show up. He's going to march in. He's going to declare his, his kingly status. And then he, we're going to start booting out the Romans first. And then we're going to take the rest of the world. And he is going to sit on his throne right here, right now. And we're going to get to see it. We're going to be here for it. That's what they thought was going to happen. And I'm telling you right now, something way more glorious is what is really going to happen that they couldn't quite see. But Jesus wants them. Jesus knows this is their expectation. And if you have an expectation of that, and then what, what, wait a minute, wait a minute. What happens in Jerusalem with Jesus? The cross. Now, if your expectation is thrown and you get cross, will you be disappointed? Yeah. If that's your full expectation, now if you knew that's what it was and what it meant, you wouldn't be. But if you were operating the way they're operating, you're like expecting throne. Just imagine how you would feel that first when he was taken into custody. You're probably still like, okay, yeah, getting him in the right place. He's going to put them all down right now. And then he, he does it. And then, he's, and then he, you see him being struck and, and then beaten and then forced to carry that cross down the street. How would you feel as one of his disciples? Like, 
what's going on? Well, Jesus, he knows. He's been trying to tell them it's not sinking in. And so he wants to tell them this story because this story is going to be so important for them and for us. Listen to this story. Verse 12. He said, therefore, a nobleman, that's that's one of the first differences between Matthew's parable and this one. I think these were probably told on two different occasions. I mean, have you ever used similar illustrations to illustrate things before? Yeah. Jesus has used two different ways to illustrate a similar thing, okay? But there's things to learn here because in Matthew's, it was a businessman. In this case, it's a nobleman. And he's going to go into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Gosh, that sounds awful familiar to what's happening, doesn't it? He's going to go get the kingdom. He's going to come back. Now, we can see it so clearly. Just not that much earlier than this, the telling of this story, there was a Herod the Great. You guys heard of Herod the Great? One, one of his sons, he had willed, and if I get the story right, there's, it's kind of a hazy story from Josephus, but if I get the story right, he, was will, he willed, his, and he changed his will not too long before he died so that this, this other son, his name is uh, Archelaus, was going to get the kingdom instead of this other son, right? So this happened right before he died, then he died. Archelaus then does something that is going to sound super interesting to what we're talking about right now. Archelaus then, he does a bunch of horrible things in Jerusalem, like killing people on Passover and all kinds. I mean, he's hated by the people, okay? But one of the things he has to do is he has to travel to Rome to get the kingdom. He goes to Caesar and pleads before Caesar. Here's the will. His family members are there. They debate the will. No, Caesar says, you get the kingdom. This is accurate and legal. He comes back. So Archelaus actually did this exact thing. He was in the, He was in Jerusalem. He was going to get the kingdom. He says, I have to go to Rome to get the kingdom. I'm going to come back with the kingdom. And I'll be the ruler of this place. That is exactly what happened. So when Jesus is telling this story, this setup, do you think that, I mean, think about the things that you hear in the news. If you heard something in the news, and then you heard somebody giving an illustration that was something that just happened in your lifetime, you'd be like, oh, I know exactly what he's talking about. That's how the people would have heard this. They're like, oh, I know exactly what this is like. There's going to be some stark differences. Archelaus was evil. Christ is a good king. But very similar story. Archelaus was hated by the people. And I think what you're going to see, Jesus ends up being, when he enters Jerusalem, hated by the people. But let's consider what he says next. He says he's going to go get a kingdom and he's going to come back. And before he leaves, this nobleman, he calls ten of his servants. This is the second difference that we get between Matthew's parable and this one. In Matthew's parable, Jesus gives, or the the businessman gives the first servant this many talents, and the second servant this many talents, and third servant, like different amounts are given to each one. What does it say here? He called ten of his servants, and he gave them how many minas? What's it say? Ten, right? One mina per servant. Here's another difference. A mina is about 100 days wages, right? 100 days worth of work, that's about how much it was. Talents were a much bigger segment of money. So the, in Matthew's parable, when that guy got the 10 talents, that would have been like more than you could have earned in a lifetime. Amina is about two and a half months, three, three and a half months worth of pay, right? Still a pretty decent amount, but nothing overly substantial. But this essential thing. And this servant, what does he say? Here it is. 
go. And what's he tell them to do? Go on, come on, work with me here. Engage in business until when? I come. Now, ooh, that's really important for us, isn't it? If you ever like, what are we doing in the middle? He, he got his kingdom. He's going to come back. He said he's going to come back. We're waiting for him to come back. We're his servants. What should we be doing? There it is. Right? There it is, engaging in business. So this is going to be important for us to think about what is this parable talking about, engaging in business? What does it mean? Well, let's keep going. We get introduced to the citizens at this point in verse 14. So we have the servants. We got the noblemen going to get the kingdom. We got the servants. But then we have this other group of people, the citizens. And the citizens, it says, the citizens hated him, sent a delegation after him, which happened with Archelaus. Uh, we do not want this man to reign over us. This is picturing very clearly what's going to happen to Jesus when he enters Jerusalem. The Jewish people do what? They go, He's, we have no king but Caesar. He is not our king. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. This is how Jesus is responded to and treated by his people. But let's go back, verse 15. Jesus gets to the end, he returns. Ooh, this is going to get really important. He's coming back. What's that going to be like? Right? What's that going to be like for us? What's that going to be like for them? And I'm going to throw something in here. The, the thing about parables is, the thing you see in parables, number one, and we were talking about this the other day, not everything means something. It's meant to illustrate a point. Okay? So we're not gonna, we can't dig too deep and be like, this means this, which means this, which means this. We don't want to go too deep. But here's the other thing. The things that you do see are representing real things in miniature. Now, I'm going to say that again because we're going to get to the end of this, and there's one particular thing that I'm going to say that you've got to remember. This is representing that in miniature. Okay? So, I mean, think about it already. This king, he's a nobleman, come back to get a little kingdom. Jesus goes, gets the, the, the ruling permission before the father he's seated seated at the throne on high ruling the universe so much bigger right infinitely bigger he comes back having received the kingdom and the first thing he does is order the servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business there's very much a reality. There's so many places in Scripture that talk about this exact thing where even his people are brought before him to give an account for what they've done. So you're going to do this. You're getting a glimpse. Let's see what happens here. The first came before him. First one comes and says, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. That's a 1,000% increase. That's pretty good, isn't it? I mean, he... he I imagine this guy, he must have gone right out, put it in, deposited it, whatever he's doing to try to engage and, and increase this amount. He's engaged in business. You don't know what that means. We're trying to think in the parable. But for this guy, it's about doing business with what he's got. He invests it. He gets something back from it. Right? And so what does the Lord say? What does the king say? He says, well done. Oh, this ought to ring in our ears. Have you heard this before in other stories? Well done, good and faithful servant. Is that not what you want to hear? You know, thinking about what's going on in our church right now. If I started to think, for example, that investing means I have to be in ministry. 
this would be a terrible passage for me to be preaching today, wouldn't it? Right? If I thought that the way that I could invest, you have to go into full-time ministry of some sort, and you gotta, you got to be up one of these people that's doing this thing. Well, and if you're thinking, well, what chance? I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think at all that's what this is talking about. All of the servants got how much? All of them did. All ten of them. He had ten, they all got one. I think one of the ways that we can consider this, I think one of the ways we can consider this and think about this, this mina is in some way representing receiving, getting the gospel. I don't think it means getting saved, and I'll come back to that in just a minute, but I think that there's, there's a gift of hearing the truth. I mean, you've been given this one, you know something that not everybody in this world knows. You know that God became a man and lived and died and took the penalty of your sin. You know that to be true. You know that when you stand before God and you give an account, you may give an account this way for what you've done and how you've used what you've done, but you know that to go to heaven depends nothing on you because God has taken all the penalty. Those books will be open. Let's look. And This isn't adding up. You're not going to make it, but Jesus says, There's got to, i got another book. Right? The book of life. Their name is written in it because I paid for their sin. Right? So you, you know that to be true. And you've been given, blessed with that. And in some practical ways, the fact that you were born in a country that you, you encountered it. That's God's blessing in your life that you got to hear the truth. Some of you grew up in Christian homes where they took you to church. You didn't want to. Like, I don't want to go to church. And your parents are like, no, you're going to church. And you went and you heard the Bible stories and you heard these things. And you get stuck in your head. You're like, yeah. This is true. It's a blessing. You know it's true. Well, the question then becomes, what do you do with it in his absence? What are you going to do with it? Engage in business. What does that mean? Well, let's take a look at the second guy. Actually, let, before I go on, let what was, what was the reward here? Is there a reward? He earned 10. What did he get to do? Over 10 cities. I don't know exactly what that means. I think there's going to be cities in the new earth. I can't help but wonder if some of the reality of what goes on, the people that have invested in the gospel and the good news of the word, people that have done and have been well, are going to get that well done, good and faithful servant, I think that there's going to be a reality of functioning government, but perfect. <laughs> I know, what's that? Perfect. Jesus is king. His servants delegated. I think there's going to be people like us. You know what? I think some of those people that you're going to see like, uh, I'm, I'm ruler of Danville, you know? And you're going to go, we've never heard of you. I don't think it's going to be the guys that were up here being pastors necessarily. I think it's going to be those that said, I gave everything to your word. And I let it do business with me too. I was engaged in this thing. I was invested in this thing. I gave all to this thing. I was, this was my business was this book, all of my days. 
And you know what? There's some people that they have made this book their business all of their days, and you probably haven't. You don't even know their names. But they, they're the ones that have come into church every week faithfully and sat down. They're the ones that are at home, and instead of wasting their time doing frivolous things, they're praying for the church, and they're praying for their relatives, and they're praying for people, and they're, they're on their knees, and they're morning, they're opening up the word of God again. They're like, what does this have for me? And they're seeking to obey it. And I think that you're going to see a whole lot of people that you've never even heard of before where he's going to say, you, front, well done, because I gave you that and you did so much with it. And the second one comes saying, Lord, your mind has made, your mina has made five minas. Not as much, but what's the point here? The point becomes, now he's not going to go through all ten. The point now becomes some huge return, some not as much. This one still gets a well done. This one still gets a, hey, you're going to be over five cities, right? There's a comparative reality to what, how they've invested, to what they are given responsibility for. They've been given, they did something what they were given, and they get even more. And that's actually something you think about with heaven, is it not? What you've been given, you're going to be given even more in abundance. Above and beyond belief is what heaven is going to be. All the good things you can think of now multiplied by infinity. There's going to be another one that's going to come before him now. And we need to think about this one. In fact, this last one here it doesn't say the third one. It just says there's another one of another sort. And this one says this. He goes, Lord, Lord, here's your mina. I didn't lose it. I mean, it was really important to me. I kept it safe. I laid it away, stored it up in this precious handkerchief. I don't know how, why that's precious. Um, I was afraid of you. Then he says, hmm, now wait a minute. This takes a weird turn because I know what you're like. I was afraid of you because you're severe. Interesting. He claims to know this Lord, but man, I'm going to tell you right now, he's off on the way he describes because what I just saw from this nobleman who's now king is not someone who's severe. He said, hey, and then he went, I'm, give, I'm blessing you with even more. But then he says, you take what you didn't take. Not earn, not work, not any of the. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And even though there's some little hint of truth at that, man, he's missing who this king is, is he not? He's missing it. He claims to know, but he is off. You're severe. I think it's very important if we start thinking, what does this look like? Now, I had probably 10 rabbit trails that I could have gone off on that I've chosen not to. Can I go on one right now for just a moment? Can I just veer off a little bit right now? Just, just hit off on a rabbit trail for just a minute. What are they going to do? Fire me? <laughs> Uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to be just brutally honest. Can I just be brutally honest? You ready for it? Buckle up, buttercup. 
14 years of ministry. I'm an observer of people. I've seen a lot of things in this town, in our community, amongst people here, amongst people in other places, people I know, friends, acquaintances, all kinds of things. And there's one thing that I, when I read, read this, there was one particular picture that jumped up in my mind. Somebody that reveres the word, reveres what was given, but gets it really wrong. You know one example of that I, I see in our communities? I see a lot of people that go, man, I'm going to, they go to church and they're praising God. Yes, Lord. Yes. And then they walk out back to their house with their live-in boyfriend, living in sin. Does that person get anything at all that's happening when they're praising God? No. Are they doing any business with what God's word says to do? No. Have they even thought about who this God is? No. In fact, there's a whole bunch of scriptures here I've got where I'm like, I don't know if I want to go through all these, but you wouldn't believe how many scriptures. One of them is Psalms 40. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted. Talking about God, you have not delighted in the. I mean, here's the Jewish people, they used to bring these sacrifices just according to exactly how God wanted me to bring it. And God says things like this. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering, you have not required. Wait, I thought he required all those things. Then I said, behold, I have come, and the scroll of the book is written to me. I will do, I delight to do your will. Oh, my God, your law is within my heart. Let me read another one. God speaking in Psalm 50. It's not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you or your burn offerings. They're continually before me. That's not what I'm rebuking you for. But I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. Why? Some of you may have a particular passage in your heads right now. Right? The blood of bulls, the blood of goats. I've not required of you to obey is better than sacrifice. To hearken is better than the fat of rams. I cannot help but wonder sometimes when I, I see full churches full of people. I hope, God, I hope it's not true. But I fear many times that there are many that are full to the brim of people saying, praise you where God's response could easily be, that disgusts me because you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. So when I think of this last guy and I think, what is going on with this person? I see a person who said, hey, I, I've, you know, I was careful with it. I, I, he got it. He heard it. But instead of doing business with it and letting it do business with him, this truth that he had just sat there. Lord, I know you. Lord, I know you. How do you think the Lord is going to respond? See, this starts to get really important, doesn't it? We're in the meantime. This is, this is where we're at. If you've got the truth... 
and you're just twiddling your thumbs with it, I mean, if your Bible's sitting dusty on the shelf and you're not picking it up and engaging with it, that's the first clue you're doing something wrong, right? If, you, if, you, if you're in church and you get convicted about, you know what, I, I know I shouldn't be doing this thing, but then you go home, I, it's like, man, t- kids do this all the time. I'm a high school teacher. You see this all the time. Well, I know I shouldn't, but there shouldn't be a but at the end of that. I know I shouldn't, so, right? If you really believe in Jesus, you're going to do what he calls you to do. And if you think that your honoring of him with your lips without obedience is any honor at all, the only person you're fooling is yourself. How will the Lord respond? Now remember, this response is in miniature, right? Parables, miniature. Let's look at the little diorama of how the, oh, let's move the little guy here. You see the little dioramas where you got the little, you kids make those things. Okay, let's move the little guy. Okay, here's third, number three. Oh, Lord. He's got a little tiny handkerchief in his hands. You see it? Oh, Lord, I just kept it safe. <laughs> right? What are we going to do? What's, what's the Lord going to do? Well, let's see. Verse 22. I'm going to condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. Now, I don't know about you. But if there's anything that I do not want to hear on Judgment Day, it's this. Would you agree with that? I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, I really want the well done good. But I really don't want to hear the king of the universe say, condemned by your own words. You knew it. You knew things about me and you didn't do it. Condemned with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit, reaping what I did not sow. I mean, he's playing along with his description of him. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. Why didn't you do something with what I gave you? If you've been blessed with hearing the truth of who Jesus is and you're not doing something about I mean, think about, just think about this blessing. Has all of history, since this thing was completed, has all of history had access to this? No. There, there was generations went by where people did not have access to this. And then the people that finally said, everybody needs this, and then they got real inventive, and they made things like printing presses, right? And we're benefiting from it. We're like, wow, now we can make hundreds of these. We don't just have to write it out. We can make hundreds and hundreds and thousands of these, and there's probably 20 at your house. What a blessing. And think about what is it? This is the word of God. And you go, ah, so boring. Something's wrong. And I tell you what, it's not with this. Because this is not boring. This is exciting. I mean, this story is exciting. I mean, can you imagine sitting there watching this? What's he say? He says, you knew this. Why did you put it, you know, at my coming, might have collected it. And then he says this. He said to those who stood by, take the mina from him. So he gets what he had gets taken away. Ooh, what does that mean? That can't be good. What he has is taken away and given to the other one. Now, all the people around are like, wait, Lord. He's already got 10. (laughs) 
I tell you, to everyone who has, more will be given. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Even that bit of blessing that you've had will be taken away if you do not engage in business. I think this happens in small ways, even in our lifetime. You see people many times who they've been given the truth, they've heard it, but they haven't engaged with it and they start to forget. There's there's friends I have that I know that know what the word says about something like marriage and how it should be kept holy and honored. And they're like, yeah, but I'm tired of her. (laughs) I'm just going to, you know, undo what I want. And I have friends that I know, and they knew it. They knew it to be true. They know that it's true. They know that they're doing the wrong thing. They're like, I know I'm married to her, but I like her better. So I'm going to hang out with her for a little bit, and we're going to go live together for a while. I'm going to, you know, everything else. But what? And I'm sitting there going, who is this guy? You know what I think has happened in a, 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 a tiny degree of something that's going to happen much bigger later? What he had was taken away because he knew the truth, but he didn't engage in it. And what happens? He forgot That's scary, isn't it? Now, we're almost to the end. I want to do a couple things. That clock is not right, is it? It stopped again. It's not 11 o'clock. It's only 11 o'clock, guys. We've got all kinds of time. We've got five more. We're going to finish Luke today. God is held time still. So I, okay, no, okay. I, I, I want to do something. I want to, I, I hope you have Bibles. I want to go, get your Bible out, and find Nehemiah. Some of you will take longer because you're not used to flipping through it, and that's okay. Okay? Nehemiah, it's in the Old Testament. It's back in the back. If you need to, look at the, look at the table of contents, right? Nehemiah, or as... Mr. Greenhall and I would say one of the three shortest men in the Bible, Nehemiah. He was taller than Bill Dad the shoe height. But the littlest guy was one of David's men. He slept on his watch. Uh, can we extract that out of the recording? Let's just, we'll get that out. Ne- chapter 8. I think we're, now, I'm not going to read through all this. I just want to, I just, I was reading this this week, and I was reminded again, there's some things in here that were just, I I guess, go, wow, that's just awesome stuff. So Nehemiah is after the return of many of the Israelites back from their captivity in Babylon, back to the land of Israel, and Nehemiah is about rebuilding stuff, and Ezra at the same time. In fact, this, it's interesting because this is Nehemiah, but you're going to hear the name Ezra show up in here, so they're simultaneous things going on between Ezra and Nehemiah. I love this because it gives a wonderful picture of what doing business with the word looks like. All the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday. So stop your griping at my 45-minute sermon. You want to know what doing business with God looks like? That's what it looks like. People that are like, 
See, the thing about this is a lot of these people, they had not heard it. But when they started to hear it, they're like, keep, go- keep going, Ezra. We want to hear it all. The hard stuff, the good stuff, everything. In the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. I mean, that's one of the, isn't that one of the pictures right there? That's doing business. You're just attentive to it. Like, this is more important than any game that's going to be on TV later today or any other thing that's happening in the world or any, any new... Are you attentive to this? Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for this purpose. And he talks about some of the guys that were up there with him. Verse 5, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for, the, for, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all, all the people stood... Oh, wow, guys, let's, you really want to get to it? Should I make you stand when it's time for me to tell you the word? Everybody stand. We're going to stay standing until midday. Okay, here we go. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. I don't know if God will let us do replays of historic events. This would be a neat one to see, wouldn't it? You know, going on another rabbit trail. A lot of people talk about revivals going on, this revival, that revival. I'm going to tell you what, if you want to know what revival looks like, this is, a, this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. And as blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then it gives the name of some of these guys right here, and you skip down to verse They read from the book of the law of God clearly. And this is, I used to have this written on the wall when this was my attempt at an office. I actually wrote this verse on the wall. It says, verse 8, they read from the book of the law of God clearly and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And I thought, that's what I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. I'm going to read from the law and try to give the sense so everybody can understand what is being said. Read a little bit more. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest, and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. So they're all weeping. They're hearing. And you know what they're doing? They're going, We haven't been doing this. Nehemiah is like, Get a smile on your face, get up. We got some things to do. It's not good enough that you're just sad about what you've done. There's things to do. Just to save you for some time here. You know what he does after this? It goes into almost the whole rest of the book is all these reforms. They're like, this is what the law says. All right, guys, this is what we're going to do. This is what it says. All right, this is what we're going to do. If you want to know what doing business with what God has given you, that's what it looks like. Reading it, learning from it. Maybe doing some mourning and weeping, but then saying, I got stuff to do. They make covenants together with each other. Like They get together and like, okay, we got to do this thing. You're going to hold me accountable. To do, yeah, I'm going to hold you accountable. To do this. And they go, okay, let's do it. Let's sign something, right? Let's do it. And then they do it. And the people that aren't doing it, they're like, why aren't you doing it? You said you were going to do it. I don't know why I wasn't doing it. Well, you should do it. Okay, I'll do it. And they all get together and like, let's do it. That's what doing business with God's word 
looks like. Back to our parable. Remember diorama in miniature? But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here. And I know, this would not fit into your toddler's book of Jesus. But these are the words of Christ, of a person who represents him in a parable that's representing something in miniature of something much bigger that's going to happen later. I read through this this last week again, and I couldn't, I just kept getting to that word slaughter. Does that sound like Jesus to you? You guys think of Jesus, think slaughter? Is that what comes to your mind? Yeah, that's what he's saying right there, isn't it? And that's in miniature. In Matthew's version of this parable, illustrating so, very similar things, a little bit different, but he actually talks a little bit more about the, the other servant. The servant that didn't get, where, well, where does he fit? Does he fit with the enemies or is he still going to get to go in or what's going to happen with him? If you're wondering, we can look at Matthews. Cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hmm. Now, this is an easy application, is it not? What should you do this week? Well, for starters, pick up your Bible and read it. Right? Dig into it. Take some time. You know, maybe there's some things that even as I was talking today, you're like, you know what? There's this thing I've been doing. I know it's wrong. I know it's sin, but I've continued to do it. Maybe today is a day of repentance for you where you go, you know what? I'm done. I am done. God, help me. I'm done. If I can't stop doing this, God, kill me because I do not want to continue to live against you. Help me, Lord Jesus, to live according to your word because I do not want to be this guy. Help me to do business with your word and then you'll start to love those passages like Paul shared today. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling but there's a confidence because God is working in you both to will and to act according to his good pleasure. So you can embrace the commands of God because you have the power of God to accomplish those commands. But you got to do it. You got to get at it. You know it's him. Everything, it's all him. He's going to get all the credit for it. But you get up and do it. All right. For those of you in this room, though, that have been doing business with him for a long time, I don't want you to read these things and forget. Because you know what? As much as I want that well done, I feel a lot of times like servant number three. I've been engaging in business, but then there's a... You ever have those days? You have some days where you're like, I blew that day. Right? Wasted it. Thankfully, in God's economy, all of our sins and all of our mistakes and all of those failures are wrapped up and paid for in the blood of Christ. And he doesn't want us to forget that, so that's why we're going to do this.